the pandemic, privacy, and vaccine passports. Welcome to another edition of No Nonsense with Pamela Wallen. Many moral, ethical, and certainly constitutional issues surrounding the whole notion of vaccine passports. Some people argue that it will empower the citizen, let them control their health data and move freely. Others say it's the surveillance state run amok. Dr. Anne Kavupian, one of the world's leading privacy experts, she was the former and longtime information privacy commissioner in Ontario. She now leads a group called the Privacy by Design Center of Excellence, advising, amongst others, the corporate world on all these issues. But perhaps it is her training as a psychologist that may prove the most useful <laughs> on all of this. And welcome. Very nice to see you. Thank you so much, Pamela. It's a pleasure. Let's take a look at this, this whole issue of vaccine passports. What's your, what's your top line? What's your bottom line here? I'm sure it won't surprise you that I am strongly opposed to vaccine passports. First of all, this is your health information, which deserves the strongest privacy and should not be widely shared. It should be your decision entirely, which will go out the door of vaccine passports. But also vaccine passports, they will leave such a trail of surveillance. Some, some people are calling them it vaccine surveillance because it'll create this inescapable web of geolocation tracking because so many places are going to be collecting it, not just when you're traveling at airports, but gyms and um, hair salons and shops and, and, everywhere. and everywhere you go, they're going to collect this information, which will leave a trail of where you've been. They're saying it's creating this, it will create this new global digital infrastructure, which will just continue extensively well beyond the end of the pandemic. Remember, pandemics start and they end, but the measures that are introduced during a pandemic or a terrorist incident like 9-11, they continue afterwards to erode your privacy. You never, they, they never say, okay, we're going to stop this now. This will continue and this will be on a global scale, which is why it terrifies me in terms of the potential for surveillance have this conversation in a sane and rational way because as soon as you start to say can any you know can you have a right not to be vaccinated and i'm fully vaccinated and i'm a believer that we need to do it but as soon as you start to raise any questions you're you're immediately attacked for being you know anti-vax you know an anti-vaxxer yeah. or a luddite technologically and the, the reality is and you don't hear it anymore. When the vaccines were first developed, they said anyone who has allergies requiring the use of an EpiPen, for example, stay away from these vaccines. They will do you in. No one's saying that anymore. So there's a number of people, lots of people who cannot get vaccinated. It will impact their health very negatively. You don't even hear that. So what about all those poor people who simply cannot do it for health reasons? No one is addressing those issues. And this is what concerns me so much that this will create some kind of national caste system where people who don't have it will be looked down upon and it is, it's going to be appalling. We have to avoid that kind of society. But not just looked down upon, but denied access to things. Yes. So, you know, you lose your rights as a citizen to work and, and go to movies and gather with your friends and even get sick from something else and seek treatment in a hospital if somehow yes. you are one of those people that can't 
as opposed to won't be vaccinated. Agreed. And you see, what they could do is instead of requiring a vaccine passport when you travel or wherever, they could just require um, evidence of, of a test that you've tested for COVID and you're negative, a negative test for COVID. That's all you need to demonstrate is that you're, you're not COVID positive. So beyond that, they don't need to know anything. And that's the problem. They don't want to address any of those issues. They want to create these passports, which will lay down the um, digital infrastructure for massive surveillance, because this is going to be collected everywhere you go. And that's what concerns me enormously. We've been fighting surveillance forever, and it's growing now, but I, outside of this area, but in this area, um, it, it just concerns me enormously. And let me remind people, privacy forms the foundation of our freedom. If you value free and open societies, we have to have a solid foundation of privacy. We can't have it be eroded like this. How do we have this debate in an intelligent way? Because already we're seeing, and, and we were talking with Dr. Kenduchuk earlier, Jason Kenduchuk, and he, you know, if you go to a Winnipeg Blue Bombers game, you have to prove you've been vaccinated. If you go to a Rough Riders game, you don't. Uh, we've got changes of rules uh, around what's going on in Alberta. Quebec may impose. You know, we've got this hodgepodge already, and we haven't even figured out a way to have the conversation about it. I know, and this is. Um, I fear this will get worse. Uh, like you said, Quebec just introduced a vaccine passport uh, yesterday, the day before, and people are looking at this very widely, the EU, etc. And I'm just worried about all the poor people who cannot get vaccinated. And it's nobody's business. If they test negative for COVID, that's all you need to know to you know, be safe. That's what this is all about, presumably. Well, and we don't know because we can't really set aside the, the bare fact here that all of these vaccines are experimental. We're one yes. giant <laughs> experiment here. So we don't know the level to which we might still be able to transmit if we're vaccinated or uh, over time. Now we're hearing from the drug companies that they are now thinking a third vaccine. Booster shot. A booster shot, or maybe this is so you can see this kind of thing growing over time, particularly if we need to continue to do this. And this is what makes me crazy when you talk on that scale, it growing over time, these vaccine passports globally everywhere. I mean, what I fear, and I know this is going to sound so extreme, you know, in China, they have social credit scores where they know what everybody's doing and where they are and stuff. I mean, this could parallel that in terms of governments and centralized authorities knowing everything about you, all your movements, your coming and going and what you've been doing. And we could kiss our privacy goodbye and we can never do that. Privacy forms the foundation of our freedom. We have to find a way to fight this. I think that's the issue that has everybody a little bit um, even more nervous than about the vaccine itself or the vaccine passport itself is this connection with your location, your, your geolocating. I mean, now parents can put a tracker on their kids, on their phones. We're already doing that. And there seems to be, um, you know, a slow acceptance of I that know. kind of surveillance. It's, it's appalling to me. And, you know, spouses wanting to surveil their partners. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is just so appalling. And the awful thing about the vaccine passports, these are theoretically well-intentioned. 
Mm-hmm. They're trying to help everyone. But the outcome is going to be the exact opposite. It will erode our privacy completely, erode our freedom. And there are centralized authorities who are collecting this data. This data will be retained centrally and will be able to be shared with third parties unknown. You will have no control over your information. And this terrifies me. You know, all the years I've been... I've been in this business well over yeah. 20 years, and I have never been so concerned as I am now. But what are you hearing from the corporate sector? Are they feeling that they're, you know, the pressure to do this, that if employees are going to come back to work, then they've got to be able to prove this. They've got to be able to prove it regularly, not just once. Um, and that it all has to be digital because nobody trusts paper anymore. Unfortunately, the corporate sector, I don't think they want to jump into doing this, but they feel the pressure as well to do it because they want to, you know, show um, that the employees to each other that they're they're safe. You know, they, they all have vaccine passports and don't worry about it. I don't think they want to jump into this at all, but sometimes they feel they have no choice. And the same with schools, universities. A number of universities are now saying to students, when you come back in the fall, You have to have a vaccine passport. I mean, unbelievable to me that they're doing that. And and let me remind people, especially, you know, girls in universities, et cetera, this has implications, the vaccine passports, on your ability to get pregnant and have children. So a lot of young women are understandably very concerned about getting these vaccines because obviously they'd like to get married, have children. They want to leave that door open as they, of course, must do so. Well, that's the point. We just don't know the impact of, of these vaccines yet, nor will we for uh, uh, probably a decade. Let and, me, and let me add, Pamela, there are a number of articles now coming out by extremely well-known uh, scientists and epidemiologists and doctors. Uh, Dr. Richard Fleming, you know, he's a PhD, MD, a JD, a lawyer as well. I mean, they're raising a number of concerns. So it's not that we shouldn't address these issues. We have to address them. We have to address them now before this becomes a, a, a fait accompli, a done deal. So let me put the, the question the other way. Is there a circumstance, uh, for example, we're seeing new fer- variants and, and perhaps the vaccines are um, not responding. We know they're doing, or at least we think we know they're doing pretty well against the existing ones, but there are new ones. Would something like a deadly variant warrant an infringement on our rights and our privacy? I'm not going to say flat out no, because we'd have to examine the situation, everything. But let me remind people, you know, the Spanish flu years ago, Uh it came and went. They didn't have vaccines or anything. Yes, people died, but then people recovered and and it ended. Pandemics come and they go. They end, solutions are found. So what I don't want to create is an inescapable web of surveillance, vaccine surveillance. People feeling they have no choice, they have to do this. And then that's it, they lose control. That's what I want to avoid. I can't, I can't support the wiping out of our privacy over time. I'm wondering, and I'm sure you're getting a lot of response uh, to your comments and you're very strong point of view on this what how are people reacting to you um both the 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 plus and minus so let me start by saying i've received 
a number of extremely positive responses thanking me for raising this unpopular view because it is unpopular and people are afraid to speak about it. But I have an equal, if not greater number of really vicious attacks that people think I'm crazy and what am I doing and I shouldn't be allowed to speak at all. This is what troubles me because, and and we started with this, which is we need to be able to discuss these things uh, as a society. You know, we need to be able to wrestle these issues, not in the heat of an election campaign or not in the middle of a crisis or the height of a pandemic, but sit down and say, you know, what are our charter and constitutional rights when it comes to this? How do we balance that against the rights of the larger group that people who are not vaccinated may in fact pose some threat? How do we even construct that conversation? Very difficult questions you're raising. And they need to be addressed, of course. But everyone is ducking it. People, look at all the politicians. They're all in in support of vaccines and indirectly vaccine passports. They're ducking the issue. They don't want to address the privacy concerns. And the the reality is nobody is talking about how this data is going to be retained centrally. And you won't be able to get out of it, if you will, after the fact. That's what concerns me. Um, Creating this unbelievable, inescapable web of geolocation tracking. Which which in turn can be hacked. (laughs) That's the other issue. If if all of this is collected on us uh, and stored somewhere, then it's subject to hacking by whomever. And it will be, Pamela, there's no question, because this data will be restored, uh, stored centrally. It'll be accessed by governments all around the world in different departments and all kinds of, you know, football stadiums and soccer stadiums. That would be ridiculous. So you know it's going to be hackable. And the, the, the problems will just mount on an increasing basis. Hear or see in the comments and the feedback you're getting a generational difference. Uh, you know, some of us are just basically, you know, I don't even want to do my banking online. Like, uh, I don't want to live online. And um, you know, younger generations have been raised with this and feel totally comfortable. Um, there is less opposition to vaccine passports by younger groups. Generally, there hasn't been a lot of data on this, but generally speaking. Um, And it may be because of their comfort with online everything. But what I would say to them is there's no problem with being online all the time. But when this data is retained centrally by third parties unknown and governments all around the world, you lose control. Privacy is all about control, personal control over the use and disclosure of your personal information. And you want to retain that control. That's what concerns me. And putting this in the larger context for example, for the last um, several weeks in the Senate, we've been uh, doing battle over Bill C-10. Yes. Uh, This is, you know, supposedly changes to the Broadcast Act, but uh, an exemption to protect user-generated content, our tweets, this podcast, anything, uh, removed from that legislation. In the final moments of the Parliament, Bill 36, which is basically... Um, another censorship uh, attempt. Are you? Are, uh, is this a trend? <laughs> what honestly, are we this is appalling. It's like government wants to dictate who can say what to whom. I mean, this is what is appalling to me. 
and the 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 freedom, some freedom that they had in C10, in I think it was Section 14, they removed. So but the government's going to be in control and get over it. No, what happened to freedom? Freedom of speech is so important, and this is what baffles me is how they're getting away with this. It's shocking. Another issue, and I, and I don't know if you have thoughts on it, but the, the debate is going back and forth about the uh, role of two foreign Chinese scientists in, in a Winnipeg lab looking at all these issues, including uh, the pandemic. Um, and, and the government saying back to us, we're not releasing, even on order from their own speaker in the chamber, release yes. these documents saying, no, we can't let you see anything because it's national security. Oh, it's ridiculous. And from China, for God's sakes, China that controls its population so dramatically, social credit scores everywhere. A, a quick little story. This, this high school student graduated with all A's, A pluses, brilliant student in China. He wanted to go to university, of course. So he started applying to universities. He was denied entry into any university. Why? Because the social credit scores of his parents were considered to be unacceptable by the Chinese government. Can you imagine you're punishing the child because what you think is unacceptable on the part of the parent's behavior? Oh, it just made me cringe. They look at everything, everybody's behavior, and they decide what is acceptable and not. No freedom. You and I, I, I don't know the details of this because it was back a bit, but you had signed on to a project with one of the big tech companies called Sidewalk Labs, where there was going to be a monitoring process in city. In, in Toronto, in cities to see, you know, it, it seemed so, you know, we're just going to find out what people do and what they like and this and that. You, you resigned saying this is not a direction we should be going. Let me tell you why I resigned. When they first approached me, Sidewalk Labs, um, to build a smart city in Toronto, which is where I live, Ontario, uh, they approached me because they wanted me to embed my privacy by design framework into the smart city they built. And I was delighted because I'm in Toronto. I want a smart city of privacy, not a smart city of surveillance. And I'm on the International Council of Smart Cities. All of the smart cities coming out of China and Dubai, et cetera, they're all smart cities of surveillance. So I was delighted when Sidewalk Labs approached me because they wanted to embed privacy by design into our smart city. So after I studied it for a while, I said, here's what we have to do, because the technology is going to be on 24-7, all the sensors, et cetera. We need to de-identify at source. And what I meant by that was the minute you pick up any person, any information on one of your sensors or cameras, you strip it of personal identifiers. So no personal identifiers will be linked to the data you collect. That way you'll have lots of data, which will be invaluable, but the privacy risk will have been removed because you can't link it to an identifiable individual. That's what privacy is all about, linking to identifiable individuals. They went along with that. At first they thought, great, we'll do that, no problem. And then after a little while, they were given some grief by some third parties about how they were doing things. So they said, okay, we'll create a data trust where we will invite all of the IT companies, et cetera, to join us in terms of how we deal with the data. Then they said the following. This is the only thing they they did not consult me on because they knew what I would say. And they said at the meeting, I'll never forget the board meeting. They said, and of course, we'll encourage you to de-identify data at source, but you know we can't make you do it. You're independent companies. And the minute I heard that, I knew I had to resign. I resigned the following morning because basically they were saying, you can do whatever you want. You can't. 
So in smart cities, we can embed privacy by design into it, de-identify at source. Um, Mississauga is now considering developing a smart city precisely using that kind of platform. And I'm working with them to ensure that they can embed privacy by design into their operations. But that's the problem with the Sidewalk Labs, these big companies, they promise one thing and then they go against it, in which case you have to leave. This is, I think, what's troubling everybody. I mean, we're watching the erosion of freedom of speech. Certainly, uh, I see that. And, and I don't care what people think of Donald Trump. You shouldn't deplatform people because you disagree with them. That's kind of the fundamental definition of free speech that you've got to accept speech that you disagree with. That's right. Um, so, you know, you see this, we, we know that uh, big tech companies are tracking our conversations, not, you know, I mean, if I send you an email and say, you know, gosh, I really like such and such a washing machine, all of a sudden I'm getting ads for, you know, that washing machine. Are, are we just so far down this road that all your dreams and desires about privacy are just wishful thinking? No. And I have to say no, because we can never give up. You don't give up on privacy. You don't give up on freedom. But it's it's like a chess game, point-counterpoint. You know, there'll be certain intrusions into privacy, and then we push back. For example, now there's a whole decentralized identity foundation that has been developed with large companies like Microsoft, Intel, etc., IBM. And what they do is they're trying to decentralize your identifying information so it can't be retained by governments or companies. And this is now a whole foundation and it's growing. So for every terrible surveillance move, there appears to be a counter move. It's not easy. And what concerns me is that if we have vaccine passports, the ability to push back will be so difficult. That's why I'm opposing it so strongly. And we can find ways around this. We have over time. Yes, surveillance is growing, and so are privacy protective measures. Encryption, end-to-end -end encryption. Apple excels at this. And we have end-to-end -end encryption that protects your data very strongly. So we have measures that can be taken, and we have companies like Apple, et cetera, that believe in this. But we have to push back on vaccine passports because I don't know how we're going to deal with it otherwise. Anne, it's always great to talk to you. You're, you're out there defending, as you say, very, very fundamental uh, charter, constitutional, very, very personal rights. So thank you for your efforts on this behalf. And, and we'll be checking back with you as this discussion unfolds somehow, somewhere, somehow. It's my pleasure to join you. I love working with you. And I'm just praying we can get the message out. Privacy forms the foundation of our freedom. We need both. Thank you. Dr. Anne Kavukian, the world's leading privacy experts, and she now leads something called uh, Privacy by Design Center of Excellence. And you heard a little bit there about what she's trying to do and the issues she's, uh, she's trying to make sure that we all understand and that the corporate and political world that, uh, that we live in also understand. Thanks so much, Anne. We'll talk soon. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Right. That's it for this edition of No Nonsense with Marla Wallen.